This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Financial Services. UBS Financial Services does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. MFS and UBS Financial Services are not affiliated. Welcome to our podcast series, Taking Control of Your Financial Future. I am Bruce Lanzer, a Senior Retirement Plan Consultant with UBS in Milwaukee. Today's topic is Mastering Social Security, and I'll be speaking with Karen Ireland. Karen is a CFP and Senior Strategist with MFS Mutual Funds. She has 20 years of experience in the industry and has written extensively on the topic of Social Security. Thank you for joining us today, Karen. Now, the decision on Social Security is obviously a critical one for many people, for really all retirees, but one that's probably misunderstood. And as a result, people may not make the appropriate decisions for themselves. So let's start a discussion, uh, Karen, with the number one question that I get all the time is, will Social Security be around for me in the future? Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. And it's definitely the same question I get asked most often. And in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, it's not MFS's, it's not UBS's opinion. My opinion is if you're around 55 and older, when Congress gets around to reforming Social Security, I think you'll be okay. And I say that for a couple of reasons. First, a lot of proposals before Congress are looking to protect benefits for anyone who is currently on Social Security or will be on Social Security soon. Also, when they talk about Social Security going insolvent or going bankrupt, what they're really referring to is that all of those reserves they've built up over the year, that's gone. And now Social Security can only pay out as much as they receive in revenue. And if Congress doesn't take any action, that would be around 80% of what you currently receive. But in my opinion, Congress will take action. They will do whatever they can to protect benefits for people who currently are on Social Security. For anyone who is under that full retirement, I'm not... For anyone who is under age 55 or older, when they actually get around to reforming Social Security, it's going to change. I have no idea how it's going to change. That's a great question to ask of your local representative. So speaking of the basics, Karen, let's dive into some key facts. Now, how long do people need to work in order to qualify for benefits? In order to qualify for Social Security benefits, for your own Social Security benefits. I will call those retirement benefits. So if you ever hear me say retirement benefits, I'm not talking about your 401k. I'm talking about the benefit that Social Security gives you for paying in for 40 quarters, and then they average it out over your 35 highest years of work. If you don't have 35 years of work, Social Security will add in zero to bring the total up to 35 years. If you have more than 35 years of work, Social Security is constantly going behind the scenes and cherry picking your 35 highest years of work. So, for example, if my wife took time out of the workforce to care for her children, hasn't worked 35 years, you're saying those missing years would be counted as zeros. You got it. So even if your wife hasn't worked for a while, 
but she did work earlier in her life and her career, there may be a chance that she still receives her own retirement benefit. So when she's 62, it's worth going to Social Security and seeing if she has anything based on her own earnings history. So I know we're diving into, you know, some of the technical nuances of Social Security, but but what's the most important or the key takeaway for our audience? Well, I would say is a way to really simplify Social Security is to understand your full retirement age. If you're turning 62 this year, which is 2023, your full retirement age is 67. And if you turn 62 in the future, it's going to be 67 unless Congress takes action. And the reason why it's important to understand your full retirement age is because you'll notice that if you do anything before your full retirement age, there's a lot of reductions, withholdings, and penalties. I like to say that the answer to any question that begins with, I'm not yet full retirement age, is just going to be no. So for example, your Social Security retirement benefit, if you take it before your full retirement age, it's permanently reduced by 25 to 30%. After your full retirement age, your benefits automatically increase by 8% per year until age 70. Now that 8% growth, that's in addition to cost of living adjustments. So Social Security has an inflation adjustment component baked into it. And what that really comes down to is if you're concerned about inflation in retirement, and if you have that flexibility to let Social Security grow, those higher inflation-adjusted benefits from Social Security, they may be those higher inflation-adjusted benefits from Social Security may end up being a nice protection against the risks of inflation in retirement. Yeah, definitely would be very attractive. So to recap, you know, before full retirement age, your benefits will be reduced. After full retirement age is when you start to optimize your benefits. You got it, Bruce. So now can you collect Social Security while you're still working? It depends. It comes down to that full retirement age again. So if you're 62, your full retirement age is 67. Again, if you turn 62 in 2023 or in the future, your full retirement age is 67. So... If you're that full retirement age, you can work and earn as much as you want and receive Social Security. If you're under full retirement age, there's limits on how much you can earn. In 2023, it's around $21,000. If you go beyond that, Social Security will withhold your benefits from Social Security by $1 for every $2 of earned income over $21,000. Now, there is some good news. Good news number one, Social Security only cares about your earnings after you start Social Security. So let's say you're 65, you retire in June, you've earned 50000 up until that point. Social Security will record that, and then they want to know how much wages you have after that, after you start Social Security. Next piece of good news, Social Security only cares about your wages. So you can have as much money as you want coming in from your 401ks, your IRAs, other sources of income. And third piece of good news, if you're married, Social Security only cares about the wages of the spouse who is receiving Social Security. So let's say one spouse is 62 and retired, but the other spouse is 65 and working. 
Social Security only cares about the wages of the person who is collecting Social Security who is under 65 or under full retirement age. And as long as that person isn't working, they'll be eligible to receive Social Security. So it seems like some of the confusion people have is that they look at retirement and claiming Social Security as you know one decision. And what I'm hearing you say is it's really two different decisions. So then how do people decide you know, when they should take their Social Security, or I should say if they should take it or let it grow? So for me, it starts off with, are you working? And if you're working in under full retirement age, which again, if you're turning 62 in 2023 or the future, your full retirement age is 67. So if you're working in, and under full retirement age, I am a big advocate of keeping it simple. Don't take Social Security because of that earnings test. So the follow-up question is, what do I do when I retire or turn full retirement age? In that case, I encourage everyone to sit down with a financial professional like Bruce and figure out how much you can withdraw from your 401ks, your IRAs, and all of your sources of income. And if that's enough for you to live off, maybe let's consider letting Social Security grow. If it's not enough, maybe we'll take Social Security sooner. I'm a big advocate of how can we get the most out of all of your sources of income and not just focusing on that Social Security number. Okay, so what I've taken away from our discussion so far is that some of the best ways to optimize your, your benefits might be to work longer, let your benefits grow for as long as possible, maybe even until 70. Now, that seems really important if you're single. Now, what if you're married? Are there additional options available to you? Yes, so if you're married, you have a spousal benefit while your spouse is alive and a survivor benefit after your spouse passes away. Now, the percentages are a little different. So it's 50% of your spouse's benefit while they're alive, 100% after they pass away. Technically, while your spouse is alive, the max is 50% of your spouse's benefit at full retirement age. Now, we'll use my mom as an example. Even though my mom is receiving a spousal benefit off dad, that's fine it's not going to reduce dad's benefit. So even if your spouse is receiving a benefit off you, it's not going to reduce your benefits. That's good information to know. Now, if you work, can you get both your retirement and the spousal benefit? No. So if you worked, you receive an amount that equals a high of your own benefit or that spousal benefit. So you don't get both. You get an amount that equals a higher of the two. Now, are there any requirements to receive the spousal benefit? There's a few. So the spousal benefit is first available at age 62. So if my mom took that spousal benefit at 62, she'd receive about a third of dad's benefit, not half. Also, in order for mom to receive that spousal benefit, dad has to be receiving his own benefit. So if dad's not receiving his own benefits, mom's not eligible for a spousal benefit. So in that case, if mom applies at 62, Mom would receive her own retirement benefit. And then when dad applies, mom might see an increase if that spousal benefit amount would have been higher. So what you're saying is my wife can't receive a spousal benefit until I apply for my Social Security benefit. You are absolutely correct. Your wife cannot receive a spousal benefit until you apply. 
which is why, since you mentioned your wife left the workforce a few years ago, when she's 62, it's still worth having her apply and see if she might receive anything off her own. And one of the more popular questions that uh, that I get is, why didn't I receive 50% of my spouse's benefit? Can you explain why that might happen? I get this question a lot also. So in my opinion, there might be three different reasons why this happened. First off, how old was your spouse when they applied? So if the higher earner applied after full retirement age, remember that 50%, it's based on your spouse's benefit full retirement age, not the current amount, but their benefit full retirement age. So maybe the higher earner applied after full retirement age. Option number two, maybe the lower earner applied before their full retirement age. Remember, if you apply before full retirement age, there's reductions. And option number three is maybe the lower earner apply for their own retirement benefit before full retirement age. And because of that, they're not going to receive that full 50%. It's going to be a lower spousal benefit percent. Now, unfortunately, you know, not all marriages end happily ever after. What happens if you're divorced? So before we get into that, I would love to talk about survivor benefits really quickly. Oh, sure. So for the survivor benefit, a lot of times a higher earner is really focused on how do I maximize my benefit during my lifetime? But for the average worker out there, the difference to your spouse between claiming at 62 versus 70 is around $12,000. If you've paid more into Social Security, that difference might be as much as twenty dollars or $25,000. So if you are the spouse with a higher benefit, it's no longer about maximizing your benefit. It's about maximizing the benefit for both spouses. And I understand if you have a higher benefit and we encourage you to let Social Security grow for as long as we possibly can. Yes, we have increased the chance that you could pass away before you receive every dollar that you paid into Social Security. But if you have that flexibility to let Social Security grow, and if by doing so, we are giving your spouse the highest source of dependable, possibly inflation-adjusted income for the rest of their life, and if that gives you peace of mind that you did everything you could to protect your spouse financially, maybe it's worth the wait. Now, if you don't like your spouse, you should definitely take Social Security as soon as you possibly can. (laughs) Speaking of not liking your spouse, what about the divorce question? What if I get divorced? As long as you're married for 10 consecutive years, you can receive a benefit off your ex-spouse. If your ex-spouse is alive, you have to be age 62. If they're dead, you have to be at least age 60. If you receive a benefit off your ex-spouse, It's not going to reduce their benefit. And it turns out sometimes it's better to be divorced than it is to be married. So if you're married, remember mom needed dad to apply so that mom could receive that spousal benefit. If you're divorced, that's not the case. As long as you can show you were married for 10 consecutive years. So show up with a copy maybe of your marriage certificate and your divorce decree. Social Security will compare your benefits against your ex's and give you the highest available amount. Your ex will never know, and you don't have to tell your ex or coordinate with them. A couple other things. Some of you may have heard of that option of starting with that spousal benefit off your ex and then switching over. 
that option is gone. That was only available to people born <laughs> on or before January 1st, 1954. And if you are working, remember that earnings test, it's also going to affect that spousal benefit off your ex. And if you're working, you're going to receive an amount that equals a high of your own benefit or that spousal or survivor off your ex. Now, what if your ex remarries? If your ex remarries, wish them well. You're <laughs> not going to dilute their benefits. They're not going to dilute your benefits. No one's benefit is going to be affected. Wish them well. Okay. Now, what if you remarry? If you remarry, you usually forfeit the benefits off your ex-spouse or your deceased spouse. A couple of things to be aware of. Number one, if you remarry after 60, and the reason that 60 is a magical age is because 60 is when you first become entitled to survivor benefits. So if you remarry after 60, you keep the survivor benefit off your ex or deceased spouse. So if you remarry after 60, you receive an amount that equals a high of your own benefits, the survivor off your ex or deceased spouse, or the spousal or survivor off your current. Another thing to be aware of is if that second marriage ends, whether it ended through divorce or death, if your second marriage ends, you can become re-eligible for benefits off your first marriage. Now, one thing that surprises a lot of my clients is that they may have to pay taxes on their social security benefits. Do you know when people have to pay taxes? Oh, taxes are my favorite point because this gets really interesting. So if your income exceeds $25,000 if you're single or $34,000 if you're married filing jointly, your Social Security benefits may get added onto your income and become taxable. But there's some really cool things to know about that. Now, what income does the IRS include to determine if your benefits are taxable? So this is where it gets really interesting. Social Security is going to include all of your wages, all of your pre-tax 401k withdrawals, all of your pre-tax IRA withdrawals, your dividends, your long-term capital gains, your municipal bond income. They're going to include most of your sources of income at 100%. But your Social Security benefits, they only include half of your Social Security benefits in that calculation to figure out how much of your social security benefits may become taxable. So what that means is if you have that flexibility of letting social security grow, and now social security represents a higher percent of your retirement income, you may actually be able to reduce your taxes over the long haul. So what we encourage a lot of people to think about before you claim social security, a question to ask yourself is, are you concerned that taxes might go up in retirement? And if that's one of your concerns, and if you have that flexibility of letting Social Security grow, then you may be able to reduce taxes over the long haul. Another thing, if you're married, we encourage everyone to sit down with a financial professional and discuss something called the widow tax trap, W-I-D-O-W. And that's a risk that the surviving spouse may end up in a higher tax bracket because now they're filing as a single person and not married filing jointly. And the reason why this fits in with Social Security is because when people retire, psychologically, we don't want to touch our 401ks or IRAs. So what happens? First spouse retires, say, at 66, turns on Social Security, 
At 73, you're forced to take withdrawals from your IRAs, and hopefully it's off a higher account balance. Second spouse is the same thing. And now the first spouse has to take withdrawals from both accounts, which may be more income than you need and pushing you into a higher tax bracket as a single person. Maybe instead it's worth taking a little bit more from your IRAs and 401ks at the start of retirement and letting Social Security grow so that we can control taxes for longer. I know this is a complicated idea, and this is why we encourage everyone, sit down with a financial professional like Bruce before you enter into retirement and discuss this with him or your financial professional because everyone's situation is unique. This idea may or may not apply for you, but we want to give you as much information as we possibly can so that you can go into retirement making informed decisions. Great. I think that's one of the biggest questions people have is, how do I decide when to claim? I think your idea of delaying uh, Social Security, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of times people look at retirement and claiming. When do I claim as you know, just one decision? But I think you make a great point there that uh, maybe I take my tax deferred accounts like a 401k, take those now and wait to do my Social Security benefit. I think that's a great point one you know, our listeners uh, should explore. Anything else, Karen, on you know, helping people decide when to claim? So when it comes to claiming Social Security, I think it comes down to four simple questions to discuss with a financial professional. First, are you working? If you're working and under full retirement age, keep it simple. Don't take Social Security because of that earnings test. Next, how much can you live off of from all of your sources of income? What's your withdrawal rate? So sit down with a financial professional. Maybe it's Bruce. Sit down with a financial professional and figure out how much income all of your sources of assets will give you. I'm talking your 401ks, your IRAs, your CDs, your brokerage accounts. If that's enough to live off, maybe let Social Security grow. If it's not enough, maybe take Social Security sooner. Third, life expectancy. I only care about your life expectancy if you're single. So if you're single and you're going to live forever, maybe take Social Security at 70. If you're single and you have health conditions, maybe take Social Security sooner. Fourth, married couples. If you're married, I don't like to look at your individual life expectancy. According to the Social Security Administration, there's a 50% chance one of you is going to live until 90. So if you're married and both of you have worked and paid into Social Security, then the spouse with a lower benefit, you have flexibility on when you want to take Social Security. If you have the lower benefit, you're 62 and you're retired, maybe turn it on them. Because you have a lower benefit, maybe you'll step up to that spousal if it's higher, but if you live longer, you'll switch over to that survivor benefit. If you're the spouse with a higher benefit, I want to encourage you to let Social Security grow for as long as we possibly can. So if we can get the most out of your own Social Security benefit, that's how we'll get the most for the survivor and that's how we maximize Social Security over both lifetimes. In the end, I find that Social Security is as much of an emotional decision as it is a rational decision. 
And my goal is to give as much information as possible to help as many people as we possibly can. My encouragement for all of you, though, is when it comes to claiming Social Security, do not listen to your colleagues, your neighbors, your best friends, your cousins, because what worked for them may not be what works for you. You each have your own unique goals, assets, withdrawal rates. So before you claim Social Security, I encourage all of you, sit down with a financial professional such as Bruce and discuss not only how much will I receive from Social Security, but also how does that decision impact my taxes, my asset allocation, my withdrawal rates, my spouse, and everything else we discussed today. So Bruce, final thoughts? <laughs> yes, thank you, Karen. This has been great. And I think you know the information you shared uh, will definitely help uh, people make better and, and more informed decisions. So thank you again. Now, for our listeners, if you would like to receive the 2023 Social Security Reference Guide from MFS, feel free to contact me. Again, my name is Bruce Lanzer. You can call me at 414-289-3817. That's 414-289-3817. Or email me at bruce.lanzer, L-A-N-S-E-R, at ubs.com. And we also have available for you a decision-making tree. So if you find those resources helpful, feel free to call. So again, thank you for your time, Karen, and I hope our listeners found this helpful. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services offers both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different material ways, and we are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business and that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. UBS Financial Services Incorporated is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA and SIPC. 